Good morning, and uh, a warm welcome to you, whether you're here in the building now or people who may be uh, listening to the recording of this service later on. It's good to have you sharing with us in this service. Only a couple of quick things to mention. One, we're now into July. That's half the year gone already. Uh, And uh, the July newsletter I sent round uh, by email a few days ago. I know some people do like to have a, a bit of paper rather than an email. So there are a few printed copies on the table there if you'd like to help yourselves afterwards. Also, just a reminder that uh, every Wednesday we meet uh, for prayer and Bible study, either uh, online via Zoom or here in the building. This week uh, we, we, we're meeting for prayer in the building here, around, around the corner in the, la- in the lounge there, 7 o'clock, and all are welcome. Come and join with us to, to, to pray and to read God's word us, alongside us to help us. So, so when we're ready, we'll, we'll stand and sing, The Lord's My Shepherd. All of us, isn't it? Have all the children escaped? I think so. So uh, we'll move on. We're going to have our Bible reading now. I'm going to read some verses from um, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. If you'd like to follow in the church Bibles, the reading on the, is on page 1181. Page 1181, Philippians chapter 4. I'm just going to read Philippians 4, verses 10 to 13. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. May the Lord Bless his word to us this morning. We're thinking this morning about contentment. And in a few minutes' time, there'll be an opportunity for just a little bit of audience participation. So stay alert. The story is told of Brother John. Brother John felt called to enter a monastery. He didn't choose just any monastery, it chose possibly the strictest order amongst that there was. It was um, a silent order, so no talking. It was so strict that uh, the monks were only allowed to speak once every five years when they met with the abbot. And even then, they were only allowed to say Two words. So Brother John joined the monastery and the years went by and who could tell whether he was happy or not because he couldn't say anything. But after five years came the big moment when he was able to meet with the abbot. 
and he said his two words to the abbots. Hard bed. <laughs> and the abbot apologised for his hard bed and said they'd get him something a bit softer. The years went by until and after another five years, again he had a meeting with the abbots. Two words. Cold food. And the abbot apologised and said to make sure his food was a bit warmer from now on. After 15 years, his third meeting with the abbot, two words, he said, I quit. And the abbot said, I think that's for the best, really, because ever since you've arrived here, you've done nothing but complain. <laughs> How contented are we? In the verses we read, Paul says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. How contented are we? Really, when we read these verses, it's clear enough, isn't it? It clearly said we ought to be contented. And I think, really, you didn't need to come here this morning to, to know that, that, that we're, as Christians we're supposed to be contented people and not complaining all the time. So, something for you to think about and comment about now for a minute. If it's so obvious that we should be contented, it's not complicated, is it? So why do we find it so difficult to be contented? Any thoughts? Maybe because we look at other people and we see what they have. Oh, right, yes. We look at other people and see what they have. Sometimes think, if we just lived on our own, actually, we'd be a bit happier. Look at other people. Anything else? Yeah, we go by our feelings, they're very up and down. Anything else? Adverts, make, adverts are de designed to make us want more than we've got, make us think we've not got enough. Anything else? Jay? Oh, that's, yeah, we focus on the things of this world. That's very true. And anything else? What... What is it that usually makes us unhappy, apart from the adverts and everything else? Just circumstances. We look at our situation and, and yeah, okay, I know that if, if we look at other people, that certainly makes you less contented. But even without that, you, you just look at the world around us and uh, our circumstances and things could be different. And the agenda for this morning, and I don't think it'll be too long, we're just going to look, first of all, at our plans... And then God's plan. And finally, we're going to look at a secret. So that's it. Our plans, God's plan, and a secret. It can be hard to be content with our circumstances. Especially when we're older. I mean, looking around, there are at least a few people here who are over 30. And as you get older, life doesn't tend to get easier, does it? 
So how can we be content? It's okay to talk about being content, but how can we be contented when we're not well? There are probably some people who, are, who aren't here this morning because they're not well. And they may listen to this message later on. It isn't easy. It's not easy to be contented when we're in pain. Or when we're lonely. Or when uh, money is short, which is true for a lot of people at the moment. Or when there are problems in the family. It's hard to be contented. So faced with those sort of things, uh, the obvious thing that we decide is that our circumstances need to change. We wish things were different. We wish our circumstances were different. So we say, say things like, if only. If only this would happen. If only I had that. If only I was like all the people with the things I envy that they've got. You say, I wish that this would happen, that that problem would go away. Do you ever do that? I think I catch myself doing that. We say, if only. We, we, we believe on the one hand that, that God, God, uh, God's way is good, and yet we find ourselves saying, if only it was a bit different. I wish it was different. Maybe we, we dream about it. Um, I'll be happier when this happens. You know, we can actually go through life like that. You know, when, when we're when we're children, uh, it looks attractive to be to be bigger children. When we're children, above all, it'd be nice when we got our independence, when we can do what we like. Maybe we can go off to university and, and do what we like. Um, uh, we, we we can get a job and do what we like. We can be free and independent. Then I'll be happy. The time comes when we grow up. We find it isn't as simple as we thought. Um, actually, passing exams isn't always easy. It's hard work. But then we think, well, we must do well. But when I finish my studies, then I can get a proper job and earn some money. And so, eventually, you finish your studies, and 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 hopefully, eventually, you can find a job that you enjoy to some extent, and you, you start work. And you find that that isn't always a bed of roses, and and uh, even the most interesting job is the, 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 has its downsides. So you say, yeah, but but. How about when, when, when I get married, then I'll be happy. When I, when I find the, 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 the girl or, or the young man of my dreams, then I'll be happy. And we get married, for some of us anyway. And, uh, and, and yeah, hopefully we, we, we find someone we're very happy with. But still, there's something missing. Oh, yeah, let's have a family. And so uh, uh, for, for some of the children arrive. Uh, 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 and oh yeah, then I'll be happy. They've got the children, and then as the children grow up, you think actually, when the children leave home, uh, then th- then I'll be happy. Uh, and and meanwhile, we're still working. You think, oh, wh- when I retire, then I'll be happy. And quite a few of us have tried, I've, I've tried retirement. Yeah, that's okay, isn't it? But there's still something missing. And. Uh, I, I, uh, of course, then you get health problems, etc. And I know in one way, this is a bit, bit of a caricature, in that all these various stages of life do have their good points to them. But the, what I'm to, the point I'm trying to make is that um, there's always something missing. This life is never going to be perfect. This isn't a perfect world. So what do we do? Well, we look at our circumstances, but also we try to get rich. And I put rich in, in inverted commas. We don't necessarily mean by that getting millions we're just trying to get a few more nice things to make life happier. And uh, it, it, might, it might be a, a better job. It might be a nicer house. It might be some good holidays. 
It might be financial security, whatever it might be. And we think, well, if, 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 if I can really get those things buttoned down, uh, then, uh, then I'll be happier. Of course, there's nothing wrong with these things in their place. Nothing wrong with aspiring for a, a better job, uh, 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 a nicer house, uh, 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 um, a holiday can, can do us good. The problem is, there's nothing wrong with those things in themselves, but we can set our hopes on these things. So that really our hope of happiness is in the job we have, the money we earn, the holidays we go on. And we try these things, and they're okay to a point, but soon we want more. Um, um, I, I sometimes think that, that uh, hanging after all these things is a bit like eating chocolate. You know, the experience. it's nice, but you soon want more, don't you? And, and the same, same with, with these things in life. They, they don't, they give some happiness, but not lasting satisfaction. You, you soon want another holiday, etc. And they never give lasting contentment. And if you're not sure about that, just try Googling um, uh, lottery winners and see how happy they are. And the odd bonus pounds for happiness. But for many people, actually, the, the money has just destroyed their lives, their relationships, their marriages, so many things. In that situation, some turn to, to drink and drugs to try to find more happiness. People who've already got all the material things, uh, like uh, Elvis or Michael Jackson or Amy Winehouse, and the list could go on. Um, I search this, and, and because I'm, I'm so out of touch with modern celebrities, there are quite a few names that I've never even heard of, but, but it's still true. People who've got all this work and offer, cause, 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 because they're entertainers or or, or sports people, whatever it might be, and yet something missing, and, and they, they, they turn to other things like, like drink or drugs to try to find some happiness, and they still aren't satisfied. And of course, if you start to follow that road of drink and drugs, it just makes the problem worse. Um, I came across a quote by a, a man called Bernard Levin. If you're very old like me, you might just remember him. He was a journalist, and, and uh, uh, it was on television quite a lot in the... Uh, uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, things like the, the David Foss programs and things like that. And he wasn't a Christian, but I thought something that he wrote it actually rings very true. He said, Countries like ours are full of people who have all the material comforts they desire, together with such non-material blessings as a happy family. And yet they lead lives of quiet, and at times noisy, desperation, understanding nothing that um, the fact that there is a hole inside them, and that however much food and drink they pour into it, how many motor cars and television sets they stuff it with, how many well-balanced children and loyal friends they parade around the edges of it, it aches, because there's still an emptiness uh, in, after they've got all the good things of this life. And so, pursuing all these things, all the things the world offers, things that are good in themselves, uh, don't bring lasting satisfaction. That's the wrong way to go. And like any, any situation where you're going the wrong way, I, I, I quite often go walking, and it has been known for me to go the wrong way. Um, uh, my, my sense of direction sometimes doesn't correspond with reality. But if you start going the wrong way, what do you do? You don't carry on that way. You stop, you look at the map, and you turn around to go the right way. 
And if we're going the wrong way because we thought it was all about acquiring things, then that's the wrong way. We need to stop, look at the map, which is God's word, and start going the right way. There are some verses that Paul wrote to Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, where Paul said what, what really is a, 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 a gain. But godliness, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. People want to get rich, fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Money itself isn't bad, it can do a lot of good. But it's the love of money, when we put that maybe higher than God, when we think money is the answer to all our problems, that um, we can wander from the faith. And we probably know people have done that. And we pierce ourselves with many griefs. So that's our plans, our efforts to find real contentment. But how about God's plan? The writer to the, uh, to the Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews in our Bible, says this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Why does he write that? It goes on like this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. God loves us, he really does. He has a purpose for our lives and his plan really is best. It doesn't always feel like that. It's hard to accept God's plan when life is difficult or we suffer severe disappointment or great hurt. We want things to be different. And maybe one day they will be different. As we said earlier on, we've got this longing always, haven't we, to, to just wish that things would change. We say, if only this, uh, I, I wish that that. But the fact is, that in God's perfect will, right now we are where we are. I, found, I read some very challenging words recently by the great 19th century preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I read this a couple of times because I think they're very challenging and they shouldn't challenge me. He said this. Remember this. Had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. I read that again. Remember this. Had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. So we look at our situation now and we think it will be so much better if. But God knows what he's doing. God really cares about us. And our situation is where we need to be right now. And as an example of that, look at the man who wrote this letter to the Philippians. Look at Paul. If you read through the letter, and it's only four chapters, it doesn't take, take long to read through it. You discover way back in chapter 1 
but actually he's in prison. He's in chains. It's very frustrating for him because he likes to be out and about preaching the gospel. If you, if you read uh, through the book of Acts, you see all, the, all that God accomplished through Paul. As Paul travelled around in his, his great missionary journeys and founded a church here and a church there. And sometimes he went back later on to make sure they were okay. And he had an active life and he was doing God's work. And it made a big difference to the, the spread of the gospel. But now he's in prison. He can't go anywhere. And it's frustrating. And he, he might have thought, well, well, Lord, why are you leaving me here? I keep praying for my release. <clears throat> and Lord, I'm just stuck here in this prison. But God had a purpose. In fact, God had more than one purpose. Part of the purpose, if you read chapter 1, Paul had already realised that his imprisonment had actually given him an opportunity to witness to people in the prison, to witness to his guards. It's encouraged other believers in, in, in their stand for Jesus. So he already saw some of the purpose. But still Paul might have said, yeah, okay, that's okay for a while. But look, I'm stuck here. I can't do anything. All I can do in prison is write a few letters. And Paul could never have imagined that 2,000 years later, in a distant place called Horwich, people would be reading one of his letters this morning. And actually, for all his wonderful ministry travelling around churches, God has accomplished far more through Paul's letters preserved for us in the scriptures than he did even through all Paul's ministry at the time. Now, Paul wasn't to know that. I dare say, in heaven, he'll find out. But God had purpose in what he was doing, even though Paul couldn't have seen it and he probably wasn't enjoying the way that he was uh, where he was stuck at the time. But God had a purpose. And God has a purpose for our life, our lives too. It may not be easy, and, and, and honestly, we look sometimes at what's happened to us. Why has God allowed me to get into this situation? Why isn't he helping me? Why isn't he delivering me? Why isn't he answering my prayers? Why, why, why? And we don't know. But we do know God. And we know that he is good and he loves us with all his heart. He loves us far more than we love him. He really cares about us. And in his wisdom and immense love and mercy, he has permitted us to be in this situation right now where we are. And like Paul, we trust that one day in heaven, we'll look back and say, ah, now I understand why God led me that way. And it was best. And it may not be easy but in the verse I read a few moments ago from Hebrews, God has promised he will never leave us. God says to us in our situation right now, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. He is all that we need. And for myself, after 60 years, and I know I don't look old enough, but after 60 years as a very imperfect Christian, I'm still finding out how good God is. And how his ways are right. And how much he loves me. And all of us. I encourage you, get to know him better. Spend time with him. Discover just how wonderful uh, God is. How great is his love for you. Even when your circumstances are difficult. And finally, a secret. We thought about our plans, or that God's plan, but then there's a secret. 
Contentment doesn't come naturally. Maybe at the beginning when I was asking you to suggest reasons why we're not contented. In a sense, one of them is just, we're human. And all the time we have this kind of inbuilt longing for, for more. Something, something other than just following Jesus. Some nice things in life. Some release from all the pressure and pain. Commitment doesn't come naturally. I've noticed in this passage, in, in verse 11, Paul says this, I have learned the secret of being content. If you learn something, it means you don't know it to begin with. Um, you, you, uh, if, if, you want, if you want to speak French, you need to learn to speak French. We aren't, we aren't born with a natural uh, fluency in French. You've got to learn it. We need to learn the secret of being content. And Paul had, had learned that. And it, uh, pretty, it's pretty comprehensive, isn't it? Uh, um, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances, uh, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, in every situation, he learned the secret of being content. And that doesn't come naturally. So what's the secret? Let me just say that, um, you know, Every week when we meet like this and we read God's word, it's not enough just to go home thinking, oh yeah, that was that, that message was okay, I, I enjoyed that one. Uh, last week was better, or whatever it might be. But it's more than just find the sermon interesting and enjoyable. Is it actually making any difference to our lives? Are we going home each week thinking, now, after what I heard today, Lord, help me to apply that. May it make a difference to my attitude to you or to other people or my service for you or whatever it might be. So, again, today the challenge is, is this. It's, it's a pretty simple message about contentment, but is it going to make a difference to how contented I am? And, you know, in everything we talk about here, we need Jesus no, in a sense, week by week, whatever the topic of the sermon, in a sense, we should always finish with Jesus. I'll tell you why. Because otherwise, you know, someone can stand up here and they can be ever so eloquent or entertaining or whatever. They can find such good words and, and we're really interested. But, you know, without Jesus, it's hopeless. We can, we can, we can browbeat you. We can say, do this, do that, and the other. We can speak to ourselves as well and, and stir up all, all our, make our resolutions and stir up our will to do these things. And we just cannot do it in ourselves. We need Jesus. That's part of why He came, not only to, to save us so we could be forgiven, but to give us the new life in the Holy Spirit. And this is, is true with contentment as much as anything else. We need Jesus. Um, Verses 13 and 19 in this chapter contain some very well-known promises that often apply to our situation, don't we? Uh, verse 13, Paul says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. We apply that to all kinds of things, and probably quite rightly. We, if God gives us the, we can do anything that's God's will if he gives us the strength. But notice the context here is talking about, about being content. Um... Uh, when, when he said how he, he's content, he's learned to be content in every situation, he, said that he then says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So, Paul recognized he needed Jesus in order to be contented. He couldn't do it on his own. 
And likewise, later on, another well-known verse, verse 19, uh, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The context, again, is for the Philippians he's writing to. Um, he's encouraging them uh, uh, to be contented because uh, he's confident that God will meet all their needs as well. And as I finish now, the secret for us also, the secret of being contented is to know Jesus, to get to know him better, to trust him, to ask Jesus to give you the contentment that he himself found when he walked this earth, and when even when he faced the cross, that most horrendous prospect, he could say to his heavenly Father, not my will, but yours be done. And whatever we suffer, may we ought to say to the Father, Father, we know you love us, we trust you, not my will, but yours be done. That's contentment. And that is just a foretaste of the ultimate contentment when one day we will see him as he is and be with him forever. Let's pray. Lord, you know how easily we get unhappy with our situations. Lord, you understand why? Because some things in this life are hard and this world is far from perfect. The people around us are far from perfect. We get hurt uh, emotionally, um, uh, and physically. But Lord, we know that you love us. We know that your way is best. And maybe one day when we're with you in glory, we'll look back and we'll understand why and praise you all the more. Help us now just to trust you and day by day, Lord Jesus, please live in our hearts and help us to know the contentment that you knew even when you faced the cross. Your name's sake. Amen. Now, before we have communion, we're going to sing again uh, how deep the Father's love for us. And really what we've been talking about this morning and all we have in Jesus is only because the Father is willing to pay the ultimate price in all our need. When otherwise we'd have been lost forever, he sent Jesus. And this song just reminds us about the cost of sending Jesus and the Father's great love for us. Let's